Huge interview coming up. If you got a chance to find the show, we got none other than NFL legend John Abraham coming on to talk all things football, mental health, life after football, dealing with injuries. Just an amazing conversation. I can't even recap it eloquently enough to let you know just how deep this one goes. We want to thank John for coming on the show, but here he is, unabridged for an hour, Mr. John Abraham. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Stay tuned. I've been dying to talk to you for some time, brother. It is a pleasure to finally get you on, man. Oh, pleasure to be on, man. It feels good to be wanted. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll take that for what it's worth, man. And I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I feel like a lot of people should definitely remember and know exactly who you are. But just in case they don't, I'm just going to give you a shout out because you are a two-time All-Pro uh, a second team all pro one time, a five time pro bowler, and well, I think you're like 18th all time in sacks. Does all that check out? Does that sound yeah, right? Yeah, I think I, I dropped down. You know, uh, I was um when I when I ended my career, I was number nine, and uh I, I needed like eight sacks to be in the top five, but I ended up um you know having to having just having a having an injury, and I, I didn't even get complete that year. It's like my whole career, my whole career was just injuries like if i couldn't get into so much i, w- I would have been like really nice no, I, it was nice anyway man don't don't be too hard on yourself but the you know what happens though it's the same thing with like these passing records and whatnot the games change so much so like yeah, the the definitely. it's like it's like nothing for some of these guys like i'm not going to crap on philip rivers but like he never won a super bowl you compare him to some of the greats but like his stats are like top five all time is he a, is he a top five all time quarterback though? Like that's that's kind of debatable. Yeah, so I think guys- we, do, uh, we put we put a lot on accolades because I know I know for a fact if I would have had one defensive player of the year or a Super Bowl in my if I had one Super Bowl or one defensive player of the year it would have been Hall of Fame and it wouldn't have been an issue. All right, so hey man, I'm just gonna jump right into that thing because I was gonna get there and like when you look, even now with the game change, you're still top twenty when it comes to sacks, and you had a lot of double digit sack seasons, and you did it for a couple different teams, and you know you 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 started with the Jets, you went to the Falcons, and I, I think everybody kind of considers you a Falcon. You consider yourself a Falcon, or you just everybody? Um, now that I'm done, I consider all three of the teams. Um gave me an opportunity so I can't really split my time on anything anymore because uh the Jets you know they drafted me I mean at, at one point I was not the happiest person about going to New York I'm a southern guy right South Cac on my shirt so I wanted to stay closer to home you know I think I was just a brat in me uh the kid you know wanting to be close to home wanting to be close to friends uh I got to choose Atlanta you know I got to choose Atlanta you know being a free agent was probably the the best thing from being recruited to go to the college, you know, like all the accolades, people trying to talk to you and people want to see you, you, you make yourself feel wanted again. So I, being a free agent definitely was good. And then coming to Arizona when um, like nobody wanted me at the time, like, you know, I went from being wanted, wanted to not being wanted. And uh, Todd Bowles and uh, Bruce Aarons did a great job. And just like, they literally told me when I packed my bag, just pack your bags, cause pack your bags and stay. And, you know, and then, uh, I, I, I just wish I could have uh, did a little more for them, you know, in my career. You know, I, I definitely, um, Bruce, as a coach, you know, you hear a lot of bad things about him, about how he coaches and little penalties and how he did people. But um, as an <laughs> overall coach and a guy, I think he's a great man. 
Yeah, and I know you went out there to Arizona, and you had a really good productive run there toward the end, but what I know the injury bug bit you. At the end of it, was it, if I remember right, was it concussion issues or was it what happened? Yeah, concussion on the first game, concussion in the first game. And, and you know, I really can't remember anything about that game. Uh, I just I just recently um found a clip of where I got hit in the head, and I'm like, oh, okay. Because, like, for me, it was, um, you know, you play on autopilot. You're so used to doing something. It's kind of like with you when, you when you get on this um podcast, you automatically know what you're doing. You know to hit this, hit this. You know if I got to get the person in, I'm getting them in like this. And it, it becomes so rehearsed and so well-groomed in your head, you don't even realize that you're you're doing something. Like, you know, I had, I had to literally this year start looking at some of my old tape and see, like, are you a Hall of Famer? Were you a fantastic player? Were you a good player? And I'm looking like, if I take my name off the back of the jersey and I saw that guy playing, I would say, yeah, that guy's he's definitely got potential to go. I think my, one thing about me, I let uh, I let my DUI in New York take me away from media and take me away from doing things that I wanted to do. So I think that was a, a big a big factor in me, like not being as as Harold as a lot of the defensive players that you hear about. Well, and I think uh, the other part of that is just not having like those big postseason runs or, or, or Super Bowl appearance. I, I mean, and it's a team sport, man. Everybody goes into that. But when you look at guys around the league that have similar, uh, you know, careers that you had, and I, I think uh, like a, a guy like uh, Robert Mathis comes to mind, you know, and, and he gets a lot of accolades, but you know, he got to play opposite of Dwight Freeney and he was on the Colts and they had a lot of runs there. And DeMarcus Ware is another guy and he's on the Cowboys. So that's like another, you know, amount of pub that kind of comes with that. And I, I think a lot of people kind of, you know, football fans can put you in that same atmosphere with them. But I think just because the way things played out, like you said, unfortunately, how the Hall of Fame works, you're not quite getting that love there, man. So does that yeah. how do you how does that settle with you though? Like do you do you talk to anybody about it? Are you at peace with it? Or like what I'm just, what uh, I'm just trying to start pushing myself to it. Um I went through a lot of personal stuff the last couple of years. So, you know, um I had a lot of hate, a lot of regret, a lot of uh things that I didn't know how to handle. So I went through treatment for the last like couple of years, just getting uh, mentally prepared for life. You know, it, a lot of people you see right after the NFL, they have a plan and everything like that. Like my plan was to finish that year out. And um, instead of me doing what I needed to do, um, preparing myself mentally, because, you know, I had a concussion and it was pretty bad, but you know me, I'm like, it ain't nothing but a concussion. It'll be gone in a couple of days. Yeah, right. it, it, that's not true. Like, you know, that's not true. You do definitely have to do um your due diligence if you want to, like, bounce back from something like I had. Yeah, and I don't know how it went throughout the career, but how many, how many concussions did you, you think you got while you played football? I, I honestly would never know. Um, A lot of times back in the day, we called a concussion stingers. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you got a stinger. When the last time you heard somebody say they had a stinger? Yeah, it's been a minute. You don't hear that all no more <laughs> because, they, you know, they're going right in there for, for uh, concussion protocol. Now, if you ask me how many stingers I had there, I know I had at least one or two a year. So, you know, right. and also back in the day, it was more of like if you had a concussion, you was viewed as soft, not like you had a problem. It's like, dude, this dude's soft. He can't even get hit. You know what I mean? Because it's like being a boxer, being any kind of physical sport. You know, like we, we, we say basketball is soft, but, you know, we never back. If you if you got somebody who's never being hit in the face, 
and they get hit in the face. They think if I if I, if I can't right now just slap you in your face, you you gonna be like, <laughs> yes. don't slap, I mean? don't so, slap me, John, don't slap me. Yeah, yeah, but you see, you see what I'm talking about, though. <laughs> no, and, and you know, to be honest with you, man, to hear you talk about kind of the journey you're on and where you're at now, like that, that's that's almost you know more of a, a, a macho thing nowadays because. Like it's so hard for people to get help when they need that help. And there's always been a stigma with that. And you're talking about like going back to the it's, playing days. Like you don't want to, you don't want to say you're weak, right? You want to say you're strong, yeah, but man, exactly. but that's exactly. the stronger, that's the stronger thing to do though, is to, and you know, it's to the, um, um, I'm glad you said that because for me, it wasn't a strong thing. I, I felt like I was being weak because uh, I've, I always thought I was an independent person, but then I realized I was so dependent on everybody else around me to take care of me. You know, coming from college to professionals, you know, even going down from paying your bills to, you know, taking care of your kids, small things that, you know, we really don't pay as much attention to is way more important than what I was doing on the field. But, you know, on the field is where I was making my living financially, right. but mentally I wasn't doing enough to uh, build my my mindset. So for, as long as I'm doing good on the field, I'm doing good in life, me personally thinking. But then, you know, when, when life hits you and, uh, the only thing you have is yourself, like literally yourself, and you really have to be independent. You know, it's it's, it's a ter- it's a tough course, and um, I think uh, a lot of my frustration, a lot of my stuff came out. First of all, I was really bad concussed, and I didn't know how bad I was till after I really started doing, you know, like working on trauma from the past. Uh, it's crazy, like how much stuff that we don't know about that can be hindering us every day. And I, I I never had anyone really to sit down and talk. So I didn't have a father. Um, So I always saw my coaches or I saw like older people as like kind of like a father figure, but they weren't really a figure that I should have been learning. I should have been learning myself because you're the biggest figure you ever have. Like there's a point in life when you got to start making your own blueprint in life, like stuff that, you know, a lot of things that I would not do or would do because of what I saw everybody else do you know, compared to like what makes John happy, you know, that short term, short term gratification for long term hurt compared to like what I did to be a good football player, you know, weight room. And and like, I think a lot of times we forget how much time we put in, like even your podcast is small to me. Like right now I'm just doing this. After you get off this, you got to sit there, Eddie, you got to take this out. You got to see if this looks right. You got to make sure that you can hear John. You got to make sure the camera's good. It's a lot of stuff that we forget about. Like, I forget about how many hours I put in through college, Um, you know, how many people I tried to help. You know, there's a lot of things. And, and mentally, sometimes it hits you like bricks. You know, it all comes at once and you're not ready for it. Now, hey, I, I already am just so appreciative of the fact that you know that there's work and effort that goes in on this side of it, man. So many times oh, people don't people don't definitely. people don't see me up till midnight or one a.m. trying to put this together. But nah, exactly. I appreciate that. But let me ask you this. You're a South Carolina boy, right? Yeah, South Cat. That's right. South. So what's uh what's it like? You went uh grew up in Lamar. Did I read that right? Yeah. All right. So what what's what's life like growing up for you in South Carolina, man? Uh, where you from? Where you from? I'm from West by God, Virginia. Okay, so that's pretty country too, right? Yeah. So like you know, Myrtle Beach is like where everybody goes from up here. Like this, that's our haven. Okay, okay, okay. I, I grew up 45, well, about an hour away from Myrtle Beach. Um. I was uh I lived in Timsville, which population is right around a thousand, maybe right. less. Um, Lamar, I think it's around nine hundred people. I interact with different cultures, just like really come like me going from that small town 
to, I thought Columbia was the biggest city in the world. You know, then, <laughs> then I went from Columbia to New York. So, so you know, it was kind of tough. But it, it was, a, it, I think it taught me to be too humble sometimes. You know, like if you see Levon Kirkland, he also went to my school. BJ, um, dude, I, I had um Levon Kirkland on our um on our podcast. I thought he was Clemson guy, or he went? Did he go oh, to the same Clemson, high school? But he went. He went to the same high school. Yeah, so oh, he from the same time. Man, this, see, see, I knew I knew I heard that before because I, yeah. I had Levon on here one time and we talked a whole bunch. And then like, yeah, I was like, I know Lamar somehow. That's how. All right, cool. Yeah, so, yeah. Small you town, how, big athletes. So, you know, like I seen, I seen how humble LeVon was and I wanted to kind of portray him on, I guess, how I played and how I, my work ethic was. But we were two different people. Like I said, sometimes you can't mold your life after right. someone else. You know, you can see like what they want to do. You can see like, but also you, you got to maintain yourself at the end of the day. So did you grow up a Gamecock fan? I didn't. I didn't. I grew up, um, I was a Clemson fan. Because okay. uh, they were tigers. As a kid, if you see a chicken or you see a <laughs> tiger, and you want to, and they ask you which one you want to be, you know, you're gonna think tiger automatically. You you don't know anything about schools. You don't know anything about the history of the schools. You don't know anything about what's going on there, especially when it comes to college. And me playing only one year of football, I didn't really know anything about football at the time because my mindset, you know, if you're good, you can make it anywhere. That's what I was thinking because I didn't know anything about it. You know, I had Clemson. Um, Clemson was higher on my radar than South Carolina, but my mom really loved uh, the coach and, and she loved, uh, I guess, the regime they had at the time. So I chose South Carolina. It was close to home. It was about 45 minutes drive compared to two and a half, three hours drive from where I'm from. And, right. you know, I wanted to kind of replicate, I guess, uh, Levon. So I wanted to go to Clemson. You know, Clemson made it more appetizing. But um, I'm glad I'm glad what I chose now, you know, the friendships I made, uh, the people um, that really molded my life dearly. I think I made the right choice. Well, I mean, I think you're right. Sometimes it doesn't matter where you're at. You can make your own path. But that being said, it did work out for you because you were a first round draft pick and you get to go to New York. So that's back when they were doing the draft still in New York. Did you go to the draft or did you just stay at home? Well, I, I wasn't I wasn't really. Highly tutored. I was highly tutored for the NFL, but not for like the draft stuff. You know, I was more of like they saw me. They saw me like play, you know, like coaches watch you play every now and then. You'll see a player and like I got booed. Like I literally got booed. Um, <laughs> it was like, who the hell is this guy? That's why I was going to ask, because yeah. I know how those New York fans can be. Yeah. 20. Well, I lost 21 straight games. Um, my junior year went one in 10. My senior year went 0 and 13. I mean, 0 and 11. So. Ooh. People were not thinking like people don't people weren't looking at me as a player. They were looking at the team I was on. And I'm not knocking none of my teammates. All those guys were great guys. I had a couple guys um, actually that was with me also got drafted. Ray Green and Arturo Freeman. They didn't have the career that I had, but also they made it on an 0-11 team. And I think Lou Holtz had a lot to do with that. I think the strength of Lou Holtz's name just gave me a little more little more oomph, you know, because they were like, okay. And, you know, running a 4-3, that ain't bad either. No, that don't hurt. <laughs> yeah, that don't hurt at all. So uh, w- when um, you get up to New York, uh, just going from small town, South Carolina, you play at South Carolina, you go up to New York. I mean, that's the biggest city in the country, man. Like, like how long did it take you to even find a comfort zone from all that change? I never did. Um 
I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, and I'm not trying to knock the older guys that were on my team at the time, but a lot, a lot of the guys were drinkers. A lot of the guys were drinkers. So um, yeah. I did a lot of drinking. Um, you know, we had older guys that were like from the like late '80s, early '90s. And, you know, back then football was more of a manlier sport. And I ain't talking about. I'm not saying it's manly now, but you know, the difference between how you, you know, if you want to look. Like being a man was you. You got to drink somebody under the tape, right? I, I know. You know I know exactly yeah, what you're yeah. saying. I know exactly. Yeah, what you're yeah. Saying. You know, back back when we like it wasn't. It wasn't like if you were a young guy. Come on, you got to drink with us. I'm like, man, I don't feel like drinking. Like, come on, you got to drink with us. And you know, so and then I got hurt my rookie year, so all I had was time. You know, I, and uh, and they try to put me on pain pills, and I found out pain pills weren't for me. <laughs> and I started drinking one day. I drank one night and I and, and and I alleviated the pain the same way I could with the pills. I was like, and it lasted longer. So I I I got really bad into alcohol. But um, you know, and I stopped drinking for like four or five years when I was there. Um I think I'm the only person probably went to New York and, and didn't go to the Empire State, not the Empire State, I'm sorry, the um Statue of Liberty. I was uh I was really homesick, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. And um I had a head coach that really I don't think he ever really um indulged in me or liked me or or really you know I think he judged me from my off the field stuff compared to like what I was as a person and not knowing that I had mental issues at the time like you know I didn't even know I had it really like looking back I understand that I I, I was dependent on something that I shouldn't have been dependent on I, I probably could have been a better player if I had a better support system around me you know but, you know, like, think about you 21 years old and this way before we had media like we got now, you can just reach out and ask somebody like I need help with this. So you got somebody to push you in the right way. Like all the everybody I kind of grew up with and hung with were just people doing stuff that probably wasn't necessarily the right thing to do if you wanted to be a great player. So we you spend, what, three or four years in New York and then you end up in Atlanta and a- Atlanta, you know, I-, I remember those teams. They had some solid teams, but at the same time, there was some. Some constant change over there. I think you might have had Jim Mora, Bobby Petrino, uh, Mike Smith as all the different head coaches while you were down there, I think. And then obviously, um, you know, Mike Vick was down there and the stuff happened there. So there's a little bit of distractions and stuff going on with the Atlanta Falcons at the time. But, you know, just comparing that to your time in New York, what was Atlanta like when you got there? And just kind of talk a little bit about the tenure. Uh, I, I, every coach I had there, except for Patino, whatever his name is, uh, Bobby Dude, yeah. um, every coach I had there was always a loving coach and someone I can talk to, like open doors. Like it was totally different from when I was in New York. I mean, when I was in New York, I didn't trust none of the coaches. I didn't want to talk to them. I didn't want to be close to them. I didn't even want to be a better player because of them, because they had so many restrictions on what I can do as a player. You know, they, they, they made me feel, I remember one time I made a pro bowl that said I got lucky. Um, <laughs> It was, it was a lot of stuff that went on in that locker room that wasn't natural, but I didn't know because it was my, it was my first year I got hurt. The second year we switched, we switched to a, a new, uh, I guess a new, a new, a, a new, uh, damn, a new coach. And I'm like, and he came in and he changed the whole defense. I came in as a linebacker. So I had to go back to defensive end. And for me, like, it was like, no, I don't want to play this position no more. I'm great <laughs> at linebacker. Like linebacker is my position. But when I came to Atlanta and uh, I came to Atlanta knowing I was going to be a defensive end and knowing that uh, I was always going to have players around me and uh, personnel from top all the bottom, you know, they're going to get you the best they want. Like I, I can say the owners were different and, you know, the Johnsons, they're doing a lot more to try to get the Jets better. 
like they're working on a team now. It, it was kind of like when I got there, it was more of, you know, I own the team compared to I'm right. a part of the team, you know, but, you know, Arthur Blank is a part of the team. He wants to see us win and he wants, he wanted them to think it. So it, it's a big difference. And I never felt relaxed. Like when I came here, like when I got to Atlanta, man, when I said the frustration, um, just being relaxed and wanting to do something for someone, you know, wanting to give your best because, you know, the people expect the best out of you and they want to see you do good. Like when I was in New York, I didn't I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel like they wanted me to be all pro. I didn't feel like they wanted me to be an all star. I felt kind of like they wanted me to do bad. And, and, and it sounds bad, but, you know, it's kind of like I think they were trying to give me tough love. But instead of giving me tough love, they broke my self-esteem. No, that that makes more sense when you put it like that, actually. I, I think I know what you mean. And, you know, so you go to Atlanta, though, and you got all that frustration from New York and that experience. But, you know, uh, overall, your time in Atlanta resulted in you having some really good years. And, and I, I know if I go to find anything about you or try to find anything about you, there's so many sports writers and people in the area of Atlanta that talk about you so fondly. Like that's why I asked at the beginning, if you consider yourself more of a Falcon than anything else, because they consider you a Falcon for sure. Like there's a lot of love there. Only reason why I say like I got love for the Jets. We had an all time team and the Jets put me on their all time team. The Falcons didn't. So it's kind of like, Yeah, it's very hurtful. Like that was very hurtful. But also, I can say it could have a lot to do with what I've done, like in the, in the last few years, because I said I wasn't mentally correct in the head. So I said a lot of negative stuff about Atlanta that I not saying I regret saying. But you know, sometimes when you're hurt, you want to hurt people around you. You want to hurt people because I literally love Atlanta. Like I love the Falcons to the day I fly, because they really brought me back. But you know, I guess me being cut from here is what really like just. Right. It almost brought the same. It brought the same hurt and pain I got from when I was with the Jets the whole time. You know, the first year with the Jets, I, it was great until I got hurt, and then when I got, yeah, then it just it, it was just like another thing that just like snapped in my head, and I didn't know I had issues like that until then. You know, and I and I harbored those compared to just not letting it go or seeing it as a business thing, but working through it. You know, I never worked through it. Right. So instead of just letting it manifest and sit there, you know, working through it, you know, going to be a little healthier outlet there for you. Yeah, I just kept I just kept bringing it back as negative compared to all the positive things they did for me. Like if you date somebody for 20 years and y'all break up, you don't necessarily just got to talk about that one time they cheated on you. You can can think about the good times y'all had compared to, you know, bringing up just the the one negative thing in the situation. And and that's that was my problem. And that was my issue. And then then I realized now that I'm a person that does hold that stuff in. And and, and I just, I just realized, you know, it is what it is. And uh, it, it can be trauma. If you make it trauma, it takes eight positive, you know, to, to negate a negative. So once I started thinking positive about my life and having gratitude for what, you know, they did do for me, I mean, they gave me, they gave me a livelihood that I can support my family and I can support, support myself now after football, you know, and, and not have to really do anything. So there's a lot of positive that I got from it. It's more positive than negative. And the negatives probably came from me more than anybody else. So I can't really knock anybody for that. No, nah, I hear you, man. So when it, it came to the time of the, the end of the run there with the Falcons, so what was the reasoning for the release? Why? Because I know you had signed a contract. and it, it I have, up- Like, literally, I have no clue. Because, um, you know, if it was handled better, I probably went to another team. But uh, 
I definitely, but my the, my big thing was the reason why I wanted to stay with Atlanta. First of all, it was home for me. I was uh, I adopted my nephew at the time, so I didn't want to leave Atlanta when he was doing good. You know, gotcha. so that was that was a big thing for me. So I know they probably think that you know John just didn't want to like move. Like yeah, I didn't want to move because I had so many responsibilities that I built in Atlanta, and I didn't want to leave them. So that was my big thing of staying. It wasn't like. Business-wise, yeah, I should have I should have went and got the money. You know, it was later later latter part of my career, I still could have probably got a bigger check than I got here. But you know, it was it was a decision that they made, and um, like for me, I wish it just would have been communicated better. Like if you were like John, I'm gonna give you one year instead of signing a three year deal, being comfortable, and then letting me go because you you didn't sign me. So you know, you could have gave me one year for the same money. Right. I would have felt comfortable. You know, we could have, and then I could have just went ways, and then we. Then we were one game away in uh, from San Francisco and lost that game going to the Super Bowl. Like, I was just like, man, this is – And you, you, got, you got hurt in the playoffs, right? I got hurt the game before the playoffs. We were 14-1, and and it was a game that didn't matter. And they put me in the game. And we, they, I played, like, the whole game. And I'm sitting there like – and even, even the people from Tampa told me, John, be careful, because our coach told us to hurt y'all. <laughs> and I end up getting I end up getting hurt from one of my players, not from another team. They get rolled up on up, you or something? No, nah, I was going for a sack, and Parade Jerry came around and hit me head on. And I'm glad I well my foot was planted, and I ended up hurting my ankle. So I was like, "Go fig!" But we still end up, you know, getting the opportunity. But I like I really felt like that was my chance. If I would have got that chance, because I think they played Baltimore, I knew I I always play good against Baltimore. Like that's automatic. I always play good against Baltimore. <laughs> So I knew I would have had a chance to get a ring then. And I think if I would have got that ring, it, it, it kind of solidified you. People want to talk to you more when you say Super Bowl champion John Abraham. And right. I knew, like, I would have been, been damn near like a god in Atlanta because Atlanta ain't won no Super Bowl. So no, been, no. We, we know how it's gone team. since then, too. It hasn't been good. Yeah, so. man, that whole this, – this, like, you win the Super Bowl here in Atlanta, man. Like, people love you off GP anyway just because you play for the Falcons. And um, so if I like, I just knew like you know, you just I felt like the cars were right. That's why I felt like I needed to stay, and I felt like I was an integral part to do that. I didn't, I didn't want to move, and um, you know, stuff happens, man. You know, looking back now, I don't regret it as much as I did before. I just sure. felt like I just, I just wish we would have sat down for dinner. You know, I thought wish they would have took me out for dinner at least and just say, John, we're gonna do this compared to a phone call from somebody else. You know. Right, right, right. You don't. Nobody wants to get a fax or something that says, "Hey, you don't work yeah. here anymore." That's nah, not good. Exactly. So, so exactly. all right. So, so how'd you end up in Arizona of all teams? Like, I, I know you mentioned that you kind of connected with those guys out there and had a good relationship with uh, uh, the coaches, but like, why? What made Arizona kind of stand out to you? Uh, I ain't gonna lie, it really didn't. It didn't. When uh, my agent was going around and people were like, "Why did they cut him?" Everybody was trying to figure out why they cut him. Like. This guy got 10 sacks and they cut him. Like, why they cut him? And it probably was more of my off the field issues, you know, the mental stuff I was going through and I didn't know how to handle. So I was bringing stuff in the locker room probably. And I think that might've had a lot to do with it, which Mike Smith didn't have a problem because Mike Smith knew I had issues, <laughs> but Mike Smith would, <laughs> would, would, would talk to me and help me, you know, through a lot of things. There's a lot of days that I came in there and Mike Smith saved my ass. So, <laughs> you know, maybe I think, I think Thomas Dimitrov just got tired of it though. And, you know, I can I can I can talk about it now. You know, it was, it was in the past, and me getting help and like literally, I had, I've been getting help for the last two years on just you know being 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 cool with your feelings and being cool with uh being cool with loss. Like 
like like I was I actually um posted on my Facebook one time. I played probably like nine thousand to twelve thousand plays, and I didn't get a sack every play, but I came back. That's the same way you gotta do in life. You know, life are like push-ups. It might be easier to go down and tough to get up, but that that's what you gotta do. And you know, right now in my, in my life, I'm trying to learn how to plank. <laughs> I'm trying to go <laughs> steady, you know. So it, it really is like that, man. It's tough, but uh, it, it's worth it once you get your mental stuff. I think I didn't see that in other people. I thought everybody else was just living good, like nobody else ain't got problems. Everybody, when you have mental issues, and especially when the concussions, when you when you start reading on concussions and reading on why people do certain things, like I think the first thing I read about concussions, like this five years after I had my last concussion, I, I read about why when you have concussion. You you automatically go to violence, and that's that 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 started running a train in my head, and I just started reading up on it, reading up on it. Then I started uh, cause I kept like I got locked up for like just beating up people and got in altercations, got sued, you know, um, being rude to people, and I'm like, this is not me. Like my mind was doing it, but I wasn't, and right. I couldn't control it, and it was crazy because it's like people start to know you as that. You know, like, well, John can't come in here because he's like that. And I'm looking like, that ain't even me, man. I'm like, I, like that's not even how I be thinking. You know, I come home and just break down because I, I couldn't control myself around a big environment, you know. And it, and it and it, it was scary a lot, man. I mean, it, it was scary. I mean, I got to the point of suicidal stuff. And and I think the last time I tried it, that's when I um put myself and I said, I'm done with it. Like, I got to get help, John. I don't care what I got to do, but I need to be here for my family. Like, when you, when you lose your self-worth and... And this, this is beyond football, just in life, period. When you lose your self-worth, it, it, it's a terrible thing. And, and like all the stuff I've accomplished, I, I did. I never showed gratification for it. You know, I never showed gratification because I always wanted to do more. Like I always wanted to get back on the field. I always wanted to be a better father. I always wanted to, you know, be a better this compared to sometimes you're doing the best you can. And people don't understand that. So a lot of times we'll move away from stuff we did because – if you're not having a good day, that's pretty much your fault. I mean, even if somebody calls you with bad news, that don't mean you got to have a bad day. You can find something positive in every negative if you look hard enough. So, I mean, that's a lot to kind of unpack there. So I, I guess a question is, like, at what point or, like, when, you know, did, did you finally get to that point where you decided to grab this beast that's been bothering you by, by the horns and just take it down? Like, what – what finally like kicked and just made you kind of snap out of it? Because like, to be honest with you, there's a lot of people and some of them might be listening to this show. They don't know what's, what's going to happen and they don't know if they can snap out of those funks or, or whatever it may be. So what, what changed for you exactly? Like you mentioned some pretty dark stuff, but like, how does that happen though? How do you get out of that? Honestly, honestly, I can't tell nobody a specific a specific way to do it, man. Like after so many tries and wishing to be wake up and not be here and trying to drink yourself to death, um, doing dangerous stuff for no reason, you know, after it was just like, man, out to the breaking point love. Like if I'm going to be here, I might as well enjoy myself while I'm here. Like I can't live every day like this. And I do believe in God. So I'm like, I don't want to kill myself, but it feels like the only rational way out of all this pain and all this suffering I'm going through. And, you know, like my big thing was jumping off a building or something like that, or, but I, I was trying to find other ways, like doing stuff recklessly, like 
you know, driving. Like you're not, you know, you're not trying to do it, but you're not trying to not do it. Right. Yeah. I can't, I don't have a, I don't have a, I don't have a, a, a gauge on what not to do. Like, let's say if somebody out here fight, you know, something, I might try to join the fight. Somebody out here shooting somebody, I might just step in front of the bullet, you know, like walk across the street, you know, hoping to get hit by a car, you know, even like I had to stop driving for a while because every time I drove, I would think about, you know, just drive into this tree or just drive off the road or just, you know, just, but then I was thinking like, I don't want to hurt nobody else when I'm trying to do something. And then also people wouldn't know that you was doing it on purpose. Right. So my thing was trying to find a way to do it without people knowing, you know, I had pills in the house. I had to get rid of all my guns at one point because I didn't know. And I was like, I don't want to go out like this. Cause you know, people going to know I just took it and they go, and then I'm look weak. And, uh, but actually it, it, it takes a lot of strength to do that. And it takes, it got to be a lot of hurt because, I was like the last, the last, the last point. Like I, like why am I here? Like I don't want to go into detail what happened, but sure. Like the guy should have shot me, and I don't understand why he didn't. But um, I'll check myself in the hospital then, and and you know that's when I realized that, and and, and it's just like really, I can't explain why because like like I, I don't I understand why I'm here, but I don't understand. You know what I'm saying because it could have went left anyway. Like it could have went left anytime I did the stuff I did. It could have been left like so many times. I'm just, uh, not regretful. Um, I'm kind of working on like, you know, healing myself and also working on just, it wasn't you, John, you know, it wasn't you. Like it, right. you got to realize some stuff you do and something like, if you don't manage a concussion, like the much as you can say, like it's all right and you feel good and everything, but if you don't manage it, you know, I used to blank out places. I used to like, I still got a bad memory, but it, it's, it's getting better now. Cause you know, I stopped drinking like a year and a half ago. Like, and, um, and I started focusing on everything. I mean, I stopped drinking, going out. I started, do, I stopped doing everything that was that instant gratification type thing. So I, I started working on stuff that, you know, that can end up, being stronger. Like I, I work today for tomorrow now, like right. stuff I do today is to help me for tomorrow. Like exactly what I did in football, like all the working out, all that stuff. You did all that for one day. Like, you know, we, we worked out one, we, we, we practice more than we play. The only sport that practices more than they play is football. But see, I wasn't practicing in life. I was living life. Like I was playing like every, every day of my life was a game. Right. I really was playing it like a game. I wasn't preparing myself for the next day and preparing for the next day. So now that's what I do. So it's it's a big thing. So I can't tell people exactly what to do because uh, sometimes I don't know what people went through. Like some everybody have different trauma. Sure, you know what I mean. Like my trauma goes all the way back from childhood, and like I said, you know, from alcohol abuse to sexual abuse to any kind of stuff you can, and then stuff pops up. You have triggers that you don't even know about, like <laughs> you know, and you, right. once you start finding out, yeah, once you start finding out the triggers and start learning how to control them and. And, and start trying to like literally try to be a man. Like I literally like this is the first time in my life this year and a half is the first time I feel like I'm being a man. Like and, and it sounds bad. I told my friends that probably like a month ago and they was like, what? Like, bro, you've been you've been a man since you was a kid. I said, bro, you don't understand. Like this is the first time in my whole life, like entire life. Like I'm talking about going from like all the stuff I did in college, like in college, even in college, I had a coach and I had somebody managing something else for me. You know, and then when I got drafted, I had somebody controlling me then. Like, this is the first time in my life I can control myself. And, like, me going to treatment all depends on me. Me stopping doing this depends on me. You know, I, I actually prayed to God and I said, God, look, 
I'll stop the drinking. I'll stop all the bullshit. But I need you to work on my mind. Like you just mm-hmm. work on my mind, and like you can take all the other stuff. Like, like I don't care about all the other stuff. I will. I will refrain from. I will let go. Like all the partying, all the spending money for no reason. If you can just work on my mind, I'll work on everything else. And that's what he's been doing. Like, like every day it seems like I I I get something out of the day. Like I right. try to learn something every day. I try to pick up small things. You know, I just learned backgammon and uh and gym <laughs> rummy. I love that. Hey, bro, I be playing backgammon and gym rummy like all the time now. I'm like, no, but it, it just showed me that I could learn because at one point when I was done with football, I didn't feel like I had any more purpose. Like my purpose was over with. Like I like I didn't right. want to go. I didn't want to coach. I didn't want to go tell somebody how to play because I felt like, you know, they could do that themselves. So you, you got to find another rhyme and another reason. Well, you know, I'll tell you what a rhyme and reason here is, you know, obviously you're working on yourself, man. It's a beautiful thing. But like you know, you started off, I say, you're just glad somebody was talking to you. This is one of the damnedest interviews I've ever done, man. Like everything you just did and, and said, like, that's all powerful, man. And that's that's some moving stuff. And the fact that you're embracing it that way. Like, uh, I hope you get to a point to where you get more comfortable being able to share that with others, man. Cause like, you know, you look around like even the NFL now and like, you know, we hear the story about like Darren Waller and people like that, like, but John Abraham's lived a lot of these stories here. And I I hope, I hope you get to the point where it keeps getting better for you. So you can impact others, man, because that's, it's it's impactful hearing it. uh, No, a lot of this stuff was, was more embarrassing because I couldn't control myself. And, and, and it, like, it sounds terrible because everybody feels like they have control, even when you do stupid stuff. Like, I don't say mistakes, you made bad decisions, but some of the decisions I was making, I I couldn't I couldn't calculate. I couldn't describe to you why I did it. Like, I had no, like, I couldn't sit there and tell you, like, why I did it. Like, John, why you do it? I have no clue. <laughs> John, right. I have no this clue. Happened. And then, like, yeah, then I come home and then I break down because I couldn't control myself. You know, I even went through the isolation thing you know 2020 was good and bad for a lot of people and it was it was pretty bad for me man because I was it was good because I got to be by myself and I had to worry about being around people which I was already doing most of the time anyway I'll go out during the day but at night I'll be alone and just you know crazy man like if I was to show you like my condo then I had so many holes in the walls and there's a lot of self-mutilation stuff that you do like when you go through stuff like that right and um and it, it's just crazy. Like, and I, and I don't like it for me, it was tough to talk about because we never talked about it. Like how I grew up, you went right. through stuff, you got over, you went through stuff, you got over, even though like, you know, I didn't know anything about trauma. I didn't know how stuff in your past could, you know, have an effect on your, on your present, you know? And uh, so for me, it's just, it, I can talk easy about it now. Cause I worked on it. Right. You know, just like I'm saying, like, like, like I worked on football. Like, if you put me out there, if you see me my freshman year compared to my last year when I played, from the work ethics that I had, even when my life was the same way. Like, if you see my life when I was 21 to now, because all that work that I put in the last couple of years, and that's what I'm gonna continue to do. Like, um, just small things, you know, being upfront with people, being um, you know, being impeccable with your word, um, um really just like telling the truth, you know, like a lot of times I would lie and be like, I'm fine. And I wouldn't be, you know, you know, and then it got to the point that I I would get aggression with people when they would ask me, John, you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. You know, they're going to get like, let me ask me that. You want to hear from me? (laughs) And and it's like a cycle in your head compared to being like, yeah, I'm having a messed up day. I need somebody to talk to. So, you know, and, and, and I've been blessed to have a great mom, a great sister, a great family that's been, so understanding, man. Like I can't right. even, I can't, I can't even fathom 
like why I was thinking that way now. You know, they I still have sometimes I still have like thoughts, but they're not as strong and I know how to I know how to back away from, you know, seeing stuff sometimes are triggering. You hear about that beauty queen uh from she actually went to the University of South Carolina and she jumped off the building. And you know, that was kind of triggering for that day for me, you know, and but uh I can see how she got to that. And it, it kind of hurt, you know, it hurt because, you know, people probably don't even know because the first thing they think, oh, look at her life. You know, look at her life. She's She has everything to live for, but you don't know what people go through in their mind, especially when you can't control what your thoughts and your, um, but that, I think that, that that's part of the biggest prison that you can't get out of is your mind. Yeah. And you're right. Everybody's is going to be a little different, you know, and uh, I, I was going to ask you just as you were talking about this, did you ever, um, did you ever hear Steve Smith, uh, his story when he he was talking about some of the things he went through? I didn't. I didn't. Like, um, I kind of shied away from the stories because I, I was going through a lot of the same stuff when I hear people's stories, but I didn't want to hear their story. Because yeah. I'm like, I, I always thought like I'm stronger than that. I'm stronger than that. I ain't that person. No, I'm stronger than that. I ain't going to do that. No, I ain't. I kept saying I was stronger than that, you know, compared to like listening, you know, like we hard hit men are hard hit. Right. I'm a tourist too. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I felt like one day I'll just wake up and everything will be good. You know, I didn't want to put in the work. To, um, I didn't want to put in the work, you know, uh, and, just, and just rub some dirt on it. Time. It'll be okay. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. The reason why I asked is just, uh, I mean, there's so many similarities there and, and it's crazy because I mean, you, you and me are about the same age. You might have a couple years on me. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. you know, so we kind of grow up with the same mentalities and whatnot. And it, it's still kind of odd for me when, whenever now people do talk about it, cause it's like, man, it's crazy. Cause we didn't grow up talking this way. We just kind of, you just kind of out of sight, out of mind. And, and I think what you're speaking about is where we end up compartmentalizing all that stuff. And it just, it, it eventually rears its head and gets the better of you. And then for you, like you, you basically had collisions every day in practice or in a game. And then you got the concussion thing on top of it, man. And to hear you talk about it, the way you talk about now, man, I, I'm impressed, brother. That's, that's, that's remarkable. And I, I'm glad yeah. to hear all that. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. You know, like it's, um, and I'm not I'm not just talking about it just to get like because a lot of times I felt like and th- that's another thing that was wrong with people. A lot of times we feel like people just talk about it so they can get attention. Right. And it's really not like that. It's a part. It's just like being it's just like a part of your life now. And I think people seeing it now and it's a lot easier when you see a lot of other people coming out. But because, you know, like when I played, I wouldn't tell nobody that like I was messed up in the head because then you, well, you, you couldn't miss a game. Yeah, you might miss a game or you might like I, I can't tell you that I ain't slept in like two or three days or something <laughs> like that. I can't tell you that, you know, I, I don't know like exactly where I parked my car. I can't tell people stuff like that because then when they start seeing that, you ain't got no job. Like you're going to tell the guy like 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 I play football for a living. And I'm going to tell you that like, I can't even remember where I did my wallet. I don't know what I did last night. You know, things like that. You can't tell them. But, but like I had somebody ask me, well, how did you play 15 years? Like I told you, I was like. I did it so much. I didn't need to. It's muscle memory. You know I, I, you know, I didn't need to know. Like, I knew what was coming in. You know, you do it so long. Like, I'm just training myself now to learn how to deal with my trauma. Like, it, it wasn't like I did that my whole life. Like, I can go on the football field now and probably make at least one tackle. I, <laughs> I can tell you what I can tell you what play is going to happen, you know. So it's, it's, it's just something that you did. It, like, if you see how T.O. want to play football some more because he trained himself 
for his life. Like that was his life. And that's what we, we, we like some people now they train to play, get paid and they get out, which is a smart, a smart deal. Some of us train thinking like we going to do this for the rest of our life. Like me, if I would have died on the football field, I think it would have been roses and everything, but you know, <laughs> that didn't happen. So for me, my whole life got changed. Like I'm like, okay, I'm retiring at 30. something. like, this ain't what I had planned. You, you know, this is, this is opposite of what posing went on. So, you know, it, it's a strange thing that you don't know that stuff at the time that you don't know that you're like almost brainwashing yourself to, 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 you know, take injuries, to take pain, you know, like when you're in the game, if you get hurt, you're going to try to get back in and you ain't going to think about it. the same thing I was doing in life. Okay. Well, I got to get back in life. I don't feel like shit today, but let me right. get back in life. I got to get back in life. Get back in life, John. No, you can't sit around and mope. You got to get back in life and make people think that you're doing good or make make, make people think you're making a good play or you're doing good. Like you you got a hurt ankle, but you're playing on it. You got a hurt spine, but you're playing on it. And, I, and if I think about how many times I got shot up just to play, I'm like, it's crazy. You know, it's, it's crazy like what we did to play, but we won't put a little effort into the to get our mental stuff right because we feel like we're, we're physical specimens. You're, we pro, you're programmed too. one way. You know what I mean? You're programmed to be exactly. that, that peak athlete. Exactly. We're not working on the other side of that, you know, exactly. and, and that's what you're dealing with the fallout now, but you're, you're getting there, man. So let, let me ask yeah. you just uh, being out of the game and everything. Do you still, do you still watch? Do you still keep up with the NFL at all or college? It took me, um, I watch, I watch now. I watch now, like before I couldn't watch. Like I used to, I think, have anxiety. I used to see a hit sometimes or I, I'll see somebody that's still playing and I think I should have still been playing. Like, bro, I, I literally used to wake up maybe two, three years ago, wake up like I was going to a game. I used to wake up at like six in the morning, like start preparing stuff. And then I'll be like, what the hell am I doing? And I'll get <laughs> back in the bed. No, I'm serious. Like, and I'm just getting my dreams good. I just got, I'm getting good dreams. And I'm like, now my dreams make sense. But like back in the day, like I couldn't like, even like trying to be in a relationship with someone, I couldn't be in a relationship because I would wake up like I was doing. And I'm like, Shh. like for like three or four years, I swear I still was playing. That's like, that, my that's that, still that like, automatic, that, yeah. that muscle memory we're talking yeah. about. You still had yeah. it there too. Yeah. Like I used to have dreams. I literally used to have dreams about playing and like literally like I had a game, wake up in full sweats. Like I used to wake up in a full sweat, like I just got finished with a game. And I I, I get up and try to walk to my bathroom and I'm realizing like, John, you you don't have a game tomorrow. You're not playing anymore. You're not like I like I I'm just like they probably stopped like a year and a half ago, two years ago. They stopped, but um when they stopped, I kind of can and I started slowly watching football again, slowly watching football again, and now I can I can watch a game and I can contribute to it. I can I can literally be like, oh yeah, this is gonna happen or what you feel about this and I can say something about it. Before it was like, I don't give a mess. I don't care what's going on. Like I can't watch this. I don't want to watch this, you know, because you know, because I think if I watch, I would have another dream. And right. them dreams were the worst, man. You talk about them triggers earlier, right? You don't you don't want to have that. Yeah, but uh but I'm good with it now. And um like like with my concussion thing, like that loud noises, people hollering at me, was, stuff like that would trigger me. And I didn't know it. Like I knew I, I knew I used to get angry and get like mad. Like I literally used to break down and sweat. Like, like if somebody some kid was running, I'd be like, stop running. And then they'd just like <laughs> I'll break out and sweats for no reason. And and I never contributed to like John, you have a brain injury, bro. Like you really have something serious. And um, 
you know, I did some TMI to help it. I did like DBT. Uh, I did a lot of things um, that I should have done when I first got out of the league. I ain't gonna lie to you. You know, yeah. I don't regret not doing it now because I'm better now, but I definitely should have started that. But like, really, there was no one telling me to like, you know, once you're done, you're kind of done unless you tell them like, I need help with this. I need help with this. And the NFL is being really way more proactive on athletes now. I know like now they, they, they contact me now. Like, yeah, I was, they, that was the question I was really going to ask. So let, let me go there. Just like when it comes to like the NFLPA and the, the retired players and things like that. So you're going through something like this. What does that look like? How much do they help or do they reach out or what? I think they don't help unless you ask for it. Really? Okay. Yeah, they, they, they're not going to sit here and call. You don't have a yearly physical you need to take for the NFL. Like, I think they should do that with all players. Like, and if the player don't want to come, that's fine. But I think it should be like something mandatory. You have to sign your contract. If you want to get told and permanent, if you want to get this, you need to do it just year, like one time out of year, go to a physician, tell how you are, because we won't like, cause we weren't trained that way. We won't right. like, I think the new players will, but we won't like the players, my age and probably older. Like I talked to a lot of guys and they be doing bad and they just be like, yeah, I say, I say, you talk to the NFL. You're like, man, you know, they, they, they don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. You know, they, I'm going through this. I didn't play as long as you, John. I said, man, you better keep reaching out to them because the more stats they got on you, the more they can say they can help. Like if you bugging them, you're not bugging them. You played. I mean, they paid you that you really, that was a job, even though at the end of the day, I didn't see it as a job, you know, because somebody right. told you, and I'm pretty sure you heard this before. If you do something you love for your whole it life, work. you never work a day in your life. Thank you. So, you know, like, like for me getting money for playing football was weird. And I was very like nonchalant about it. I didn't really care. Cause I didn't feel like I worked. Like I didn't feel like I was working, you know? So I didn't really care about how much I was getting paid at one point. Once I got a, a nice salary, I was good. I didn't really care about the money. I was, I just wanted to play right. and I wanted to like, I should have been a little more selfish, you know, cause like you said, the team sport, like looking back now on my stats and the numbers, like the games I came out in the first half so my other teammates could play. You know, a lot of games I came out because, you know, I had like three sacks in the first half. I'm like, I'm done for the day. And I let somebody else play. But, you know, like looking back now, I'm like, John, like if you just stayed, like you had three sacks in the first half, you probably could have had like six or seven. But I was never a stat person. It was all about winning. You know, I loved um, I loved, I loved just being around my team and having players around me that generally love the game. You know, every, everybody treated it like a business. But at the end of the day, I, I enjoyed the people that really loved it. So when you go back to playing, you're you're primarily an edge rusher, linebacker type thing. So who's the who's the toughest blocker you ever went against? The guy that you just absolutely hated if you were on the other side of? Uh, Jones from Seattle. Oh, um, I, he's a monster. He's huge. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I cannot. Really Walter Jones. Walter, Walter Jones. Jones. Okay. Walter Jones. I would say Walter Jones and myself. And I ain't trying to be rude, but it was definitely like dealing with injuries was probably the tur- toughest blocker I ever had. Because, you know, if I was 100% healthy, I knew I could, I, I could play, you know, anybody. Like my, like I said, my first year I got hurt. I got, um, the year that I think I would have won defense, I probably could have got rookie of the year, my, um, my rookie year. Um, I was having a heck of a year, got hurt. Um, the year that I think that I could have won defensive MVP because I was leading the league in sacks. I got hurt with like four games ago. It was just like every time I had a, even like playing like the game, the San Francisco game, I got hurt. 
but I still got to play, but I got hurt before the thing. And like, even my first game, my first game with uh, Atlanta, I think I had like two sacks, two call fumbles, seven tackles, got hurt. I was like, good Lord. And I'm like, man, this this guy, like in in my last year, I was eight sacks away from uh, passing Michael Strahan for top five, get hurt the first game. So I had no, so it's like every time I had a, every time I would get an opportunity to really be great or to shine, I felt like I, I kept getting cut off and it would take away from what I'd done. So I keep in my mind, I used to watch my bad plays, not my good plays. You know, some people sit there and watch like their sacks over and over and over. So you're not watching highlights. You're watching lowlights. Exactly. Exactly. It was like Wednesdays and Thursdays. I came back. I would come back out to practice because in practice, Wednesdays and Thursdays, I really didn't practice that much because they wanted to keep me healthy. So I wouldn't practice that much, but I'll come watch film Wednesdays and Thursdays with my day, like, like nine o'clock at night. You know, most people out there trying to chase booty or doing some other stuff. I would be in there watching film Wednesdays and Thursdays so I can know everything by, you know, by Sunday. Hmm. So uh, how about quarterbacks? Is there any, any quarterback that you, you enjoyed sacking more or one that was really hard to bring down? You just had a trouble, trouble. Uh, maybe he could throw a little shimmy and throw you off sometimes, or, or they all just meet for you. I only had one problem, and that was Cam, his rookie year. I missed okay. like three sacks on him in the game. But Cam was probably the only one. But everyone you love to sack because you're making a play for your team. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if you're if you're a hunter and if you're a gatherer, you got to get the sack. You can't hunt and gather if you don't bring that to the tape. Like everybody on the field are hunting. You know, everybody on the field, even the quarterback hunting, but he ain't gathering. I don't think people got to understand what that statement is, hunters <laughs> and gatherers. So you can hunt her, but we got to gather too. We got to we got to collect stuff too. Like you can be on the hunt all day, but if you ain't getting no tackles, you ain't gathering. So you know, I'm a hunter and gather, baby. No, that's why that's why it's a game of inches, right? I was listening to um, the uh, the Super Bowl stuff. You know, we got the Bengals and Rams coming up, and uh, TJ uh, Hawkinson plays defensive end for the Bengals. He played a lot of offense in high school and college, and and he was doing an interview today, and he said, "Yeah, sack." Yeah, sacks better than a touchdown by far. So I just want to ask you, do you agree with that? Uh stat wise, probably not, but personally, yeah. And I, I think, think I think that's, that's what he that's, meant. That's, I think that's, that's what he meant. That's a good point you made, because you know, I would never have that feeling again in life. And if you haven't ever experienced it, and I did it 133 and a half times, and I promise you, like. And it goes over my mind like I would never experience that again. And I just realized that that's that's also trauma too. <laughs> that's also <laughs> trauma. I don't care. I don't care who you is, man. Like it's kind of like with with To, he'll never score another touchdown in the NFL again. Like with me, I would never sack somebody again. I can't go out in public and just hit somebody and get that same kind of feeling. Like you right. can get different kind of. You can get drunk. You can have sex. You can get high. You can do whatever you want. But the feeling you have when you make a play, like for for cornerbacks is interceptions. For for for, for quarterbacks is touchdown throws, and maybe even a handoff, a great handoff or a change of play. Stuff that you can't do in real life. And people don't understand like being in real life and trying to find that same dopamine to try to find that same yeah. before, it's impossible. It's it's impossible. And I'm just I'm just getting over that. Like I had a long layover from getting over there. And I like I gotta realize I will never have that, I would never have that feeling again. Mm. What before I let you go, but uh, you know, I had been messaging you a little bit. You were out in California there a couple weeks ago, out in Catalina. How how was it out on the West Coast, man? It was nice, man. I um, 
It was beautiful, man. Like I, I try to do a lot of things to keep me centered. A lot of things that I would have done, like I wish, well, not wish. I, I hate saying wish and should. A lot of things I would have done in the NFL if I would have had my mind right. You know, right. like going to Catalina, going to see, I went to the High Museum for the first time here in uh, Atlanta. Beautiful artwork. And you, it, it really, it really like gets you centered, man. And like going to Catalina, then I also went to the Getty Museum for the first time. Bro, if you ever get a chance to go to California, you got to go to the Getty Museum. It will mess your head up. Like you see it, you see the art in there. I stood by a Van Gogh picture, you know, it's just like small things that I'm looking like I could have been doing this, but in my mind, I was a football player. This ain't what football players do. Football right. players, you know, they party, we do this, we do this. We have like a, a stigma that I tried to live up to, which I ain't had to. So it's a lot of things, but definitely California was a nice, just peaceful. And I had a great time, man. It, it was one of the things that I could accomplish a long time ago, but feeling it now is also good. So you're you're just living life and enjoying the stuff that's out there. And, and so anything, yeah, what what else are you looking forward to doing, man? Anything else on your butt? You got a bucket list? Anything that you definitely want to knock out? Man, I ain't gonna lie to you. I take one day at a time. Um, I don't really try to plan too far. Uh, I, I like like today. Like I know I'm going. I'm going to the Super Bowl because uh, this will be my first time being like in a in the NFL environment in forever. So I'm going, they to have something for the hundred sack club um, sponsored by Bruce Smith and the NFL PA. Awesome. So I'm going to go to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, it's my first time. Like, cause I don't think people understand like how my mind was. I ain't felt like I was good enough to be around those guys. Right. And it, it's a crazy thing. Cause you know, all them guys are alphas. I think I'm more of a beta guy. And I know it's kind of messed up to say, you know, cause I, I'm an alpha in some areas in my life. But when it comes to like, you know, I, I, I'm bigger than you. I, I can do this better. I can do it. I don't need all that. You know, you know, like, like I, I try to be an alpha when it comes to being a parent. But when it comes to certain things in life, you know, I kind of like y'all can have that. I'm, I'm just enjoying the moment. You know, I like to enjoy moments and stuff. I like to see other people eat and stuff like that. And it, it, it's, it's a good and a bad situation. You know, it took me a little while. Like, John, you know, you're a beta, right? You like to give people stuff. So for me, you know, I'm, you know, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got you to find out what kind of person you are, you know, and, right. and if you're not an automatic alpha, you can try to be one, but you know, being a beta is not bad in certain situations. No, I mean, it's not, everything's a measuring contest. I understand that. Exactly. So, I mean, so you're going out, when, when are you heading out? I'm heading out Wednesday. I'm um state. I'm doing, they're doing a career. They're doing a career, um, like a career, uh, what you call them things, a career fair or something like that. So I'm going to go like try to, Div and dab and that. Um, I'm, okay. I'm just trying to get back into the NFL and, you know, hopefully get my name back out so people can speak about me a little more. You know, um, you know, sometimes you always think it's too late to do things, but it's never too late to. Nah. Like even doing this little podcast, man. You know, before I probably like, why they want to talk to me for? That's how my mindset was fit. Like I, I have a different mindset in life. Like even if nobody, like even if one person watches, that's still more than nobody. You know what I mean? Like you can help one person. And you don't even know it. You know, like even when I talk to people now, a lot of people have good stories about me because I'm used to hearing the stories about, oh, man, you remember we was out drinking or you remember we was. But I have people coming up to me now like, man, one thing about you, John, you're a good dude. You know, I ain't never, you know, I heard stuff about you, but I knew something. I knew you was going through stuff. And like all that resonates with me now, you know, before it was more of like, oh, man, everybody see me as this. Because I mean, like when I was in New York, like being belittled in ways that I didn't even know was belittling. Cause I thought it was just tough love. Yeah. But it killed my like, it killed my um, 
my self-esteem. You know, at one point I thought I was a great player and I got to a great player that I think that I wasn't like, why am I even playing? You know, and I'm like getting sacks and doing stuff, but I didn't feel like I was, you know, worthy of being in the game because, you know, I let people talk to me. And, but yet you still moved past it and had this great career and now you're starting to get back and do it a little bit. And that's awesome. You get to go out there and be around these guys and and hopefully something, you know, positive will keep growing from that, man. Because I can tell you, like, just from talking to you tonight, like I got a lot out of this, man. I don't even, uh, sorry, listeners, I don't even care about them. It's just you and me talking and like the conversation I thought was awesome. And just to hear that perspective, man, I mean, that, you know, I, I'm immediately, processing all these things in my own life and and thinking about people I know or even experiences I have because at the end of the day man none of us are perfect and we all got our demons man and 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 just handling handling it is different for each person and yeah I'll tell you a good thing to do if you can ever get a book about mindfulness like I I got this mindfulness workbook and I'll tell you it'll help you out tremendously on small things that you don't even know that probably bother you man like even getting up every day in the morning sometimes get tough but you know, like like I said, just breaking out, like being mindful of stuff and knowing there are two truths to every situation. Like you can say one thing you say and all the prejudging we have about people is so unnecessary. And, you know, definitely with the media now, like yeah. if you ain't strong now <laughs> or if you ain't oh, got a no. backup plan in your mind, you can be you can you can go down real quick. I know we we always talk about can imagine like certain players if uh you know the the social media aspect existed in the in the nineties or the eighties or whenever God help yeah. him you know that would have been a nightmare. But John, man, it's been about an hour. I don't want to take up any more of your time, brother. But man, you have been a pleasure okay. to talk to. And uh, man, I hope you have a good time out of the Super Bowl. So you going to the game and everything, or just the pre-show oh, no, no, stuff? No, 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 no. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't that big yet. I'm just. I'm I was just, gonna I'm, say if you, I'm no. a Bengals fan, so if you had like an extra seven grand, you want to give me, I'll go with you. <laughs> yeah, them tickets are crazy, right? Man, that, that's out of control, man. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I was looking because I, I, growing up a Bengals fan, I don't know if I ever get the opportunity to to go to the Super Bowl, but I was like, man. I can't, I can't, uh, can't. It's like buying a car, you know. Yeah, that's I just, ridiculous. I just yeah. don't need to buy another car. <laughs> I think Ocho Cinco said it though. Like, how, how you expect like people that really genuinely he, want to come know. see their game? Yeah, they can't uh, afford that. Uh, it's it's nuts, but uh, that's all right. That's why we got TV. It'll be okay. Exactly, but, man. Thank you so much for coming on, John. Uh, I'll shoot you uh, a copy of the podcast once it drops. So that way, if you want to share it out or uh, listen to it yourself or. Uh, you know, critique how good your story was, man. Cause I'm going to tell you on a scale one to 10, man, I'm giving you a 10. This is awesome. And, uh, appreciate it, man. I, I appreciate you, man. It, it meant, meant a lot. And, uh, I'm glad I, I, I realized that I have talked to two superstars from Lamar, South Carolina. Now that all makes a little more sense. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. All right. All right, John, man. You have a good evening, brother. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate that. All right, bud.